right, everybody. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Blazer Victory Podcast. John Duncan here. And of course, I'm joined as always with my co-host Darian Smith and Jimmy Marion. And guys, UAB was able to get it done at home 75 to 71 over South Florida to get their first home win in the American Athletic Conference and also extend that winning streak to six games. But before we get started on discussing and recapping that game, this game recap episode and all game recap episodes of the Blazer Victory podcast are brought to you by Cahaba Brewing Company. And guys, if you have not had a chance to check out uh, their blonde beer, definitely go by the tap room or a local supermarket and you'll find it really smooth. One of my favorite beers. Um, you know, we've talked about the holiday blonde uh, that uh, unfortunately is sold out. But that regular blonde, I mean, oh, my goodness, it's one of the best beers um, around. So definitely check that out if you haven't. And if you visit the tap room. Tell them that you heard about Cahaba from the Blazer Victory podcast, too. That helps us out as well. But, guys, UAB gets it done. 2-0 to start the American Athletic Conference play. Big game coming up this Sunday morning. (laughs) But we'll get to that uh, after we recap this uh, South Florida game. But, uh, Darian, I want to know your thoughts first. Um, what, What are just your overall thoughts uh from from the south florida game you know from uab's win yes that, like i mean that that's a good place to start sorry my stand my stand just all of a sudden decides to, oh no i want to move out the way so but yeah but yax uh, he's the i don't i don't even know where to start on yax man um hey well before you get on yax i i should before big jim yells at us Make sure that you are subscribed to our YouTube channel while Darian f- figures out his stand <laughs> on uh, YouTube.com at BlazerPod. We are so close to 100 subscribers, y'all. I mean, before we started doing these videos, I mean, we were only like, what, 60, 70, and we've kind of blown up all the way up to 95. Um, so definitely subscribe to us and like this video you're watching now and help uh, share with your friends. You know, we've gotten a lot of great feedback from the videos. We've always been uh, on the audio side on Blazer Victory since we started this in 2020, but we are getting great feedback uh, from the video side. Like people like to put faces to uh, voices. You know, yeah. what the, you know what this means, man. What's that? This is just a stepping stone. That's right. To the OnlyFans, like so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Derry was in the bedroom. He was. <laughs> He moved to the uh, very uh, professional environment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had to go to a more professional. I mean, my my sister let me use her house. I've been doing some work. I've been real busy, so thankful to my sister. I'm, she let me get the professional looking side. But I'm a, I'm gonna go back to. I know I know I know you guys are excited about the, on the OnlyFans one day that's coming, you know, and everything. But but yes, right is um I think one the one play that was indicative of his potential. It's how he grabbed the rebound. He got a rebound, just coast to coast with it, just coast to coast. He made a. It's just the playmaking. It's the side. It's everything. If I'm an NBA scout, I'm looking at that one play and saying, "Woo, you you get you high fly. You catch a rebound. You push it in transition. No hesitation. You got enough handle. You got enough mobility to push it in transition. You have enough playmaking to fake a pass, fake it out, 
have enough athleticism to slam it down and just get everybody fired up. That one play to me, I was like, oh, man. And then if you look at the productivity, you look at his stat sheet, what can he not do? And, and just to see where he started, I remember Jimmy, I remember John, I remember both of y'all, you know, y'all, y'all been going to the games, y'all talked about, talk about his confidence at the beginning of the season and just saying, hey, he still got to grow. He's very wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Just to see where he's already, I did not expect him to be at this level. When it comes to confidence, we saw um, what he did at UTSA with the threes, and it's kind of like, oh. And then just see, just seeing it, how it all continues to uh, carry on. It doesn't matter if it's a crunch time moment. It doesn't matter if it's in the first quarter. It doesn't matter if he got to defend a big. It doesn't matter if he's defending a wing. It doesn't matter if he has to play make. It doesn't matter if he has to shoot. And I'm like, man, how how big is he again? You know, is he like six nine with a good two forty? It looked like, and I'm like, he's he's moving like that. He's he's doing everything for this team. And you know, you pointed out, John, uh, some of the some of the comments that that Coach AK said about him. What 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 was it that Coach? What was it that exactly what AK said about him? Yeah, so he was uh, talking with Steve Mitchell on the post-game radio and, you know, legend Steve Mitchell. And Andy said that Yaks has the potential to be the best uh, basketball player in UAB history. And that was in reference to a preseason scrimmage, right? They were talking about Mm -hmm. AK had invited Steve Mitchell to a scrimmage and said, hey, you have to come check it out. And then to John's point, he had made that, you know, statement about yaks and we're starting to see some of that come to fruition oh so he made that statement about him back then mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. over the summer that is when i tell you that that, that reminds me of when um uh, when when the, the ex-head coach of the gold state warriors before anybody ever knew uh i want to say mark curry but it's not his last mark name. jackson mark, mark jackson yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about Steph. He was already proclaiming that Clay and Steph were the best shooting, the best shooters in the world the NBA has ever seen, right? Before anybody, and everybody's like, oh, Reggie Miller, Larry Bird, Ray Allen, that's blasphemous. Now, and it's been this way for a couple of years now, they're like, oh, this is the best shooter we've ever seen. Well, Mark Jackson already knew that, right? When coaches, I know how college coaches are. They never want to give you too much praise, right? They don't want your head to just swell up mm-hmm. until it's crazy big. For him to proclaim that back in the summer when this guy was so raw, it lets you know, like, oh, when you saw him, when what he's been seeing in practice, when his motor, everything about him, I text y'all, I said, man, if he continues like this and he continues to develop and get better, definite first-round pick. And Darian, like it's it's not just that he's raw, but this guy's only been playing basketball for just a couple of years. Like it's not like he's been playing since he was a kid. Like, my goodness, to see where he is at, and he's really energizing this UAB basketball team. I mm-hmm. mean, there there are many points in these last few games during this win streak that Yaks had to pick up the team. Darren, you mentioned the three point shooting uh, in San Antonio against UTSA. I don't believe he took a three-point shot at all in Bartow against South Florida. But he is finding Mm -hmm. his way to be aggressive, get the rebounds, and get up. And he ain't afraid of contact no more. You know, uh, Jimmy, when we saw him in the exhibition game, kind of slow, kind of feeling himself out. But now, hey, he just takes it to the the lane. And he's he's not afraid of it. And he's hitting his free throws as well. 
So definitely good to see for UAB fans. Yeah, Yax's journey is, is so interesting, John. You mentioned about him and the lack of playing time that he had during his high school career for different reasons. And he spent three years in JUCO because he had the COVID year uh, that was in the midst of that as well. And uh, I always go back to that one highlight that he had where he was dunking over an opponent. And it was like one of those cool Instagram reels or stories, whatever you call them. And uh, just his emotion that he exerted like in that moment. And that's what I kind of expected to see early on. And that goes back to what we're talking about now, how there was an adjustment period for him. But some of the things that really impressed me about Yaks is y'all talked about his body. So he was listed at, I think it was 6'8 or 6'9, uh, 230 in Juco, his final season there. He's listed at 240 now. He came to UAB and he put in the work to gain the additional weight uh, to put that on to prepare himself for this level of play. Uh, so physically had those attributes. We have to remember uh, that he was signed to play at St. John's. So even AK himself had said in one of, it might've been one of the uh, pressers that John had attended that there was a point in time where they were recruiting Yaks before Yaks had committed and signed with St. John's. But that recruitment was very brief because Yaks was at another level in terms of where he was going and who he was getting recruited by. Um, and it was only after Mike Anderson had separated from St. John's, he became available again. And I think it was Ryan Cross, our guy Ryan Cross, that really turned up the heat uh, and began to recruit Yaks uh, to the extent that he did. So, yeah, his journey has been fantastic. I, going into the season, thought that maybe this is a guy that could average close to a double-double uh, because of his elite defensive rebounding skill set. Um, as well as his ability to score the ball as well and the way that AK's offense generally flows as it relates to tempo. But I could have never foreseen someone that was averaging 20-plus and close to 15 rebounds a game in American Athletic Conference play. And so uh, when you look at his trajectory and where he is right now, Darren used the term raw earlier. I think that's completely fair. I think we're only scratching the surface as it relates to Yax's potential, not just here, but on the professional level after he finishes up at UAB. And, and that's why I'm so excited. I'm like, man, he has so many different heights that he can reach because if he gets his handle, if he gets his handle to where mm -hmm. you can give him the ball and he can just make plays from the wing and stuff. One thing that I'm really happy for, I remember before the season started, he was talking about how the coaching staff said that he could possibly be, be utilized here at UAB. Yeah, and I remember, I remember us looking at the quote like, "Oh, do we have the roster for that? Like, we got mm -hmm. these wings and stuff." It's like he was like he was saying like kind of like a Tobias Harris and all these different mobile uh, four kind of wing type of guys that that can make plays and and do all these different things, shoot the ball. And I'm like, well, you didn't really shoot that much in JUCO, you didn't. Mm -hmm. uh, and 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 one thing I listen to a lot of different podcasts. One thing Jimmy Butler spoke about when he played is like how coach just sat him in the corner and said, "If you can make a three, and you can play defense, you can find your way on the court." And once he started doing that, he said, "Okay, now you can grow from there." Okay, oh now now you can push in transition. Now you can do a little bit more into the player that Jimmy Butler is now. One thing that I'm really proud of X is he started as basically a, a center. You know, you you are you are defending bigs. We want you dunking and shooting layups, getting rebounds and blocking shots, right? But now we're to this point to where he's doing everything. He's shooting threes. 
He's playmaking. He's getting assists. He's getting those blocks. He's doing everything, offensive rebound and everything. And um, that reflects really good back on Coach AK and the staff because they kept their promise. They said, but I like the fact that he had to work his way to earn that. It wasn't that he was just given that opportunity. They said, you can. We want to do those things. But he started somewhere, and he grew from there. And now that's something that you can show other recruits now when you when you when you're at a higher level. Look look at what we did with him. Yeah. And look what look at the promises we made him. What what does that mean for you? So kudos to the staff and uh kudos to Yax for putting the work in. Definitely. And I mean, again, eleven of thirteen from the free throw line from a big. Like that, that that's good. And also, hey, JV and Davis, six of eight. So, you know, you look at a combined uh, 17 of 21 from the bigs down low at the free throw line. Has JV been our best free throw shooter? He has. Uh, let me look he's at the been, stats. He's been automatic. I think Yax has came on here in the last three, four, five games. So I'd be curious to see uh, yeah. which of them are at the tops. But on the topic of JV and Davis, that is something I did not foresee coming into the season was the work that he put in in the offseason to become a reliable free throw shooter. And it started early in the season, if you guys recall, against Bradley in, in a contest in which I think it was an and one opportunity late in the game where he went to the free throw line. Now, if when he goes to the free throw line, I anticipate a make. And that's not what yeah. I anticipated last season in uh, his first season here. To answer your question, it looks like Javian Davis is 77.8%. Um, Vasquez is at 80%, much less volume, I would anticipate. Yes, the volume. And Ortiz, much lower volume, too, without looking at the totals, but he's at 86%. But, yeah, you look at Javian Davis at 77.8%. It's been highly impressive this year. And it's, it feels like it's much higher than that. I find myself at when they're in clutch situations, I'm like, give it to JD. If we got to shoot free, free throws that late, I'm like, Pass it. I never thought that I would be here. And But now, like, he's consistently putting that work at the free throw line. It has totally changed what this team can do. But that's kept him involved, in my opinion, offensively as well, because he's had his shot opportunities limited. He had one shot attempt against South Florida. And this is not the first time this season in which JV and Davis has taken four three fewer shots, mm -hmm. which also is something I would have never thought was going to happen. Uh, I thought this guy was going to be getting 10-plus shots a game, and I think they want him to get 10-plus shots a game. But we've talked about how defenses are playing J.B. and Davis, um, but that's going to be a theme to watch as, as the year continues is just – is UAB able to find a way to get JV and Davis shots because we know how good he is offensively. But on the topic of free throws, I think that saved him a little bit in terms of scoring and keeping him engaged offensively because I was a little surprised to see he's averaging close to 11 points a game. And it's like he's doing that with outcomes where he's getting one shot attempt. And how is that happening is because he's getting to the line as UAB does so well and he's converting at a high clip this season. Definitely. And Jimmy, you know, also transition. You missed. You mentioned Vasquez and your, uh, you know, the free throw shooting. What a time for Vasquez. You know, who, who's honestly kind of been lost these last few games. You know, he he dealt with a an injury. You know, AK uh, sat him out for the Montevallo game and really just hasn't found his rhythm. But he sure did <laughs> Sunday in Bartow, going off for seventeen 
points off of the bench. Five of 12 from the uh, field, uh, four of six from the free throw line. Um, I mean, guys, so this is this is something that, you know, we, we our one guy that we really needed to step up and see uh, more pr- productivity out of. And he gave us just that. And let's hope that this is something or a rhythm that he can continue into Boca uh, this Sunday. But Darren, what, what, what do you see out of Vasquez's game um, this past Sunday against South Florida um, going off for 17 points? It's just the uh, it's just a team of the team, right? It's the journey. Everybody has taken this journey. We saw Ortiz come up out come out of it. Saw Yaks, right? Then we saw Christian Coleman. Everybody's kind of making their own little journey. It's like journeys within within the main journey, right? Mm-hmm. And um and it's just Vasquez. This is his journey. And one thing I saw that really got him going is like we ran particular sets. It wasn't just we are not the best freestyle basketball team. That was that team last year. We had guys, we had Jelly. Jelly could just freestyle. And half of the time when he did that, sometimes we were like, hey, man, let's, let's <laughs> calm down with that a little bit. You know, let's run a set. And um, I, I know that play he made those threes on. We ran that play twice, right? And he canned it twice. Mm-hmm. It's like, it just, it, just gives him, it just gives him options. You can shoot it right off the catch. You can pump fake. You can drive, pull up at the elbow. Maybe you get all the way to the rim and get to the line, or maybe you can draw the defense, collapse, and kick it out for a three. It's so many different. It's, I think the pathway is just so much clearer for him to see, and it got him going, right? And I, um, we see that with Butter a lot, you know, when he runs on the baseline and they set a screen and we get him the ball, and there's options. You can shoot, you can drive. It's just putting the ball in guys' hands, but we do so much better when we have organized offense. If you look at a lot of the possessions when we don't have organized offense, it's almost like a turnover with this team because something happened and the play breakdown. Sometimes we don't have a second play to go to. And then somebody's just sitting there trying to cook and may never cook, right? Like, you know, Gaines or Ortiz will do like a step back. And I'm just like, oh my God, that's a horrible shot. <laughs> and it'll be like, it'll come, you know, it's breaking. And then it's like a transition, right? Somebody will get the mm-hmm. rebound and somebody finishes, or it's always an open corner three. Like, I saw one play with one of the freshmen just off of that. Gaines tried to break down because the play broke down. They tried to run the play. The play broke down, and Gaines tried to cook. It was a transition play. He drew the defense in, corner three. Bam. I'm just like, oh, my God, bro. Like, this is a turnover for us. We got to continue to run the organized offense, and it worked so well with Vasquez, and it got him going. And once that confidence is flowing, you see them come out their shell a little bit. You see them compete harder on defense. You see them run back and transition a little bit more, right? I saw him get scored on Youngblood. Was kind of, they were kind of killing us in isolation, mm-hmm. you know, with our guards. They were killing us. And I saw him get scored on like once or twice. I'm like, hey, man, come on, Vasquez. You've been doing good on offense. But you, then I saw him come back. He competed, right? I saw him get the block. The next play blocked it out of bounds. And I was like, that's all you ask for is just competition. Make them make tough shots over you. And I can see him get going. He got into it. He got into a little scrum. I like, I love to see stuff like that. Mix it up with him. Because to me, that shows how engaged you are, um, how passionate you are. But if you're totally out of the game, you kind of see this, like, if you miss mm-hmm. your shots. And we saw that a lot earlier, earlier on in the year. But now we see guys, I see them tweeting more, like, bigging up each other. I see them doing so much to where it's like they're coming together. And uh, 
shot like just props to AK because AK is a straight shooter. When they asked him that in the media availability, they asked him about Vasquez. They said he ain't been playing well. Mm-hmm. You know, he he said it just like that. But he's probably confident in saying that you know he's having these one-on-one conversations with these players. So now, guess what? He played well. You show you showed yourself what you can do. You showed yourself what spots you need to go to, what plays you can lean on. Let's continue to lean into that. And um, I think I think everybody's just finding their own journey, man. We're gonna be a good team. If we continue to grow. I think we're gonna be a really good good team. Yeah, uh, I will say I think number three in South Florida messed around and found out. Number three is good, <laughs> but him and uh, Vasquez were jawing back and forth. You talked about it a little bit there, and like they're at the free throw line. Number three's got his jersey like over his mouth, standing next to Vasquez. You know that number three is saying something to Vasquez, and Vasquez is talking back. Uh, number three is a great player, by the way. So that's no disrespect to him. That guy really could have beat us in that ball game, uh, and he's a hell of a, good, a hell of a good player. But uh, on the topic of Vasquez, you look at the last five games leading up to this game against South Florida. He has scored 20 total points in those five outings. He had hit zero total threes in those five games prior uh, to South Florida. So yes, Vasquez in a slump. And I always go back to telling. Uh, Darian, after the first, I think it was the exhibition game. I think Vasquez is going to be your favorite player. And there's been times this season where I'm like, this ain't going to be Darian's favorite <laughs> player. Uh, you know, and I think Yaks might be becoming all of our favorite players. But uh, there's just so much to like about Vasquez in his game. He's a three-level scorer. At least he was the junior college level. He's played in the NCAA tournament uh, when he was a freshman at St. Bonaventure. Like, he's been in the tournament. He's played Division One before. He dominated for a really good junior college team. His efficiency was high. He was like a 50, uh, 40, 84-ish type percentage guy, uh, I think it was last year in junior college at Salt Lake. Um, So we know all of his accolades, but it hasn't all came together this season for different reasons. I think that, uh, you know, he hasn't necessarily been impactful, in my opinion, like in the last month or so as it relates to winning. He was against South Florida. But he's been a lot less impactful than I envisioned on this UAB basketball team. And as I think about the rest of the season, uh, as we start to look forward, he's someone like Yaks who's made the impact that he has made um, that's transitioning or contributing to winning. I think that Vasquez could be like that next guy that's got this ceiling in this consistency that we haven't seen yet that could really help us uh, going forward uh, is likely an obvious statement. But, you know, I just like so much about Vasquez's game. Uh, I do believe um, that the back and forth that he was having with number three and other South Florida players actually benefited Vasquez in this game. I think that Vasquez is a type of player that, you know, benefited from being woken up a little bit. And you just have guys that are like that. You have guys that will stray away from that. And you have guys that will let that, build their confidence and so that's why i'm playing around saying i think number three messed around and found out because i think that what it did was it actually woke vasquez up and let's see if that continues throughout the rest of conference play because we will certainly need it well i'll say this john john loves taco bell right <laughs> taco i sure bell. do yeah yeah sponsorship <laughs> hey please <laughs> taco bell. come on now like john loves taco bell i love chick-fil-a right both of them are good, depending on who you are, who you are, of course. But for this instance, both of them Taco are really Dale's good. open on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like eating a Supreme burrito with a Chick-fil-A sandwich or eating it with some Chick-fil-A fries, that's not a good meal. That's not a good – nobody wants to mix that up. 
right? So everything is all about fit. And that's why I brought up organized offense. Basketball is one of those sports, right? So it's like, hey, no, nah, this meal ain't working out. Once once you find that, like, oh, maybe I need to eat these sandwiches with these type of fries, with this type of sauce, that's how basketball works. It's like, okay, this is where I can score from. When this person is on the court, we can do this together. This is the type of plays I can run. And once you start finding that flow and seeing where you can score from, seeing where this per- other person is impactful from, how y'all can play off each other, how y'all can space the court, I think that's when it all starts clicking. Like, oh, okay, this is where I need to be. You can be good over here all you want. But that's because of that system they're running has something to do with it. And a lot of players in the NBA are the same way. A lot of role players, right? You can take one guy off a team and put him up, another role player. And, oh, over there, he was playing with Steph Curry and LeBron. He was playing with KD. It was easy to play off because you, you have a certain role. But now I think he's finding his spots and where he can be effective and know where he can score. And now you figure the same thing out defensively, right? How certain players play and what you need to what you need to make up for. Next thing you know, it all opens up, and I think his game has opened up. They found plays for him, and um, I think you just spam those plays, and then you grow from there. Definitely, and um, Patreon supporters, you can listen to the media availability um, we had with uh, Andy Kennedy on the Patreon, uh, Patreon.com/slash/BlazerPod. But one thing that I like that Andy said about Vasquez in particular was, I mean. As a coach, you can only give them minutes. Like he's got to find that rhythm, and as we all three have said, hopefully that rhythm continues uh, into into this game Sunday against FAU um, and going forward. Um, and I know, guys, we need to wrap uh, because I know we're getting over twenty uh, ish minutes. Um, but real quick, too, what I thought was really good out of the South Florida game was you really didn't see Eric Gaines being reckless with the basketball, you know, and that's something that we kind of saw in San Antonio and that Jimmy and I talked about, you know, on last week's episode, like just missing the open dunk, trying to do too much, shooting wild shots, just, he only shot three field goal attempts and he made one of those three, but you look at one turnover. Jimmy, Jimmy, I'll throw it to you because you had a hell of a stat. Um, on uh, Eric Gaines' play in uh, field goal attempts. And I, I'll throw it to you to to let you know, to legitimize that stat even from this South Florida game this past Sunday. Yeah, something I've been trying to do as of late is I'm looking at the most impactful players on UAB's roster, in my opinion. I'm trying to start to correlate, like, why are they so impactful? And then what are some signs and indicators that we could look at uh, statistically to say, um, you know, to, to, to try to plan ahead to say, is UAB going to be successful uh, in winning and losing basketball games? And one thing that we've talked about, e.g., uh, throughout the year is this whole concept of shoot first, score first, versus facilitating the basketball. Um, and so one thing I've been looking at is a stat to say that uh, when Eric Gaines shoots less than 10, when Eric Gaines has less than 10 field goal attempts, uh, in a ball game, UAB is undefeated this year, undefeated uh, being 5-0. and uh, When Eric Gaines shoots more than 10 shots per game, UAB is a 500-ball team this year at 5-5. Five and five. So, again, uh, looking at the statistics, uh, that's not to say that Eric Gaines can't shoot and score the basketball. We talked about, you were just talking about Chick-fil-A and Taco Bell, and we talked about recipe and what is the method of winning basketball games in this roster Uh, In my opinion, uh, this roster will benefit and this team will continue to benefit if Eric looks to be a facilitator first. 
because we have so many of these pieces that are trying to gel, right? And we have these guys at the JUCO level that have been scorers. And this is just a part of team culture. It's like we had guys come in, I think, this summer, this offseason, and there were people that were anointed as the leaders of this team, uh, not just off the court, but on the court because they had been here. And that happens whether you're talking about a work dynamic or a team dynamic. Uh, and then there's an element of just what is earned, like ultimately who is producing and who is performing at the highest level. And some of that is starting to come out. And there's so much context to say with that. That's not to say that the people that were here before aren't performing well, but the expectations are different and the way that defenses play them are different. So it's just to say that based on like how defenses are playing us and based on what this team needs, the reality of the situation is, in my opinion, if Eric is a facilitator first and other teammates get going, that defenses will stop playing Eric Gaines differently on these screens, right? That he will have more room to get downhill, to get to the areas on the court in which he is more efficient. So again, I feel like I'm over-explaining the point, but I'm saying that ultimately there are some statistics that I'm looking at to kind of say what's best for this basketball team, in my opinion, and one of which is if EG is going to be a facilitator first because I don't think that we need him to take 10-plus shots per game. Yeah, and Coach AK spoke on that, too. He said coming off of picks, they're gapping him. Mm -hmm. They're going under those screens, right, until he Mm -hmm. proves that he can make that shot. Then, you know, you're going to have to prove that. But also, I think a lot of that is that you spoke about team culture. A lot of that is confidence. Not confidence. And I'm not speaking on confidence in yourself. I'm talking about confidence in your teammates, Mm -hmm. right? Think about it. Like, earlier in the year, he probably was thinking, like, I have to be. Yeah, I have to do this for this team because Yax wasn't the same player he is. Mm-hmm. Vasquez wasn't. He just broke. He broke out. Ortiz wasn't Christian. Nobody except like JD going down low. So he probably thought, man, I have to make something yeah. happen here. You know what I'm saying? So now we see in what these other guys can be. It's this trust and confidence. It's like honestly, this guy can shoot better than me, right? Mm-hmm. So I can get, I can, I can get him in a better position. And then the next thing you know, now they're sagging off of me. Now it's my turn to prove that I can do this because now they're playing him like they're supposed to, right? So I think a lot of that is just like over time you're seeing what your teammates are capable of when you see that when they have that confidence in themselves, they're able to be the player that we always thought they could be. And we're seeing that happen with so many of the guys, right? And um, I think that's going to help EG take the next step on when to make shots and when to, I mean, when to take shots. And um, he's already – I feel like he's swung in one spec- – he swung all the way to one way, like, uh, I'm going to just pass it. I'm going to just facilitate. He doesn't have to facilitate all the time. I think what you can do is use the strengths of your teammates, like you spoke about, is to get downhill. Now you can do different things. Now you can take a clean step back. I yeah. hate the whole – I hate the whole cook-up. Figure skating? Yeah, I can't stand that. That, that never, never goes in, right? But – if it's the right shot at the right time. You don't have to do all of that, depending on how the defense is playing you. Step back, hey, he's giving it to you, take it. We believe in you, just do it smartly, right? Mm-hmm. Mix it in, so um, I think it's all coming together. We'll, we'll definitely see when FAU, when, we, when we're down there in that arena, we'll see if we're really, really cooking like we think we are. Definitely, and that's a great transition, uh, Darian. Uh, we'll have to keep it real quick because we're already over 30 minutes. Uh, but this Sunday at 11 a.m., 
UAB will take on the FAU Owls in Boca. Right now, they are ranked 24th in the country. Uh, they've got a they've got a, a, a game tonight um, in New Orleans against uh, Tulane, so that'll be a good game. Um, if if Blazer fans want to check out that game, is ESPN two six o'clock Central Time. So we'll we'll probably be checking it out as well. But you you look at this FAU team. They're of course they'll play the Tulane game, but this weekend they lost to Charlotte in Charlotte, and that's a mediocre Charlotte. No, I still think a good Charlotte team, but they were down by 17 points in that game and fought their way and damn near pulled off uh, the comeback. But Charlotte was able to get a last minute uh, basket and win to escape um, 70 to 68 over FAU. But it's not just that guys. Like you, we've seen the crazy highs of the FAU team, obviously coming off of a final four season, historic season for that program last year. Takedown this year, an Arizona team, which is the best win by far in the American Athletic Conference um, on a neutral site, 96 to 95 in double overtime. But they lose to Charlotte. They lose to Florida Gulf Coast. They lose to uh, what was another? Was it Brad? No, it wasn't Bradley. Bryant. Bryant yes. Yeah. So kind of a Jekyll and Hyde. And they, and they returned a lot of people uh, from that Final Four team. Um but but you look at statistics, you look at this FAU team, they're kind of struggling to find themselves. Uh, their three-point shooting is not up to par uh, like you usually see out of a Dusty Mays team, especially last year. They shot the lights off at the three-point. Um, but ha- have you guys had a chance to really see some FAU basketball this year? And, I mean, is that an accurate statement, like a Jekyll and Hyde? Like sometimes they'll be like, damn near that final four team of last year, like the Arizona game beating Arizona, but then they'll have some head scratching losses like Florida Gulf course, uh, Florida Gulf coast, Charlotte, uh, Bryant. Uh, it, it's just kind of hard to figure out. And it, we've still got a whole season left, you know, a couple months of basketball, but it really is hard to kind of gauge what and who this FAU team is at least heading into Sunday's game. Yeah. Uh, so for me, the most I watched of FAU was when they were in their MTE and they played Texas A&M, Butler, and Virginia Tech. That was over like kind of the Thanksgiving break, and those were on ESPN channels. So there were some games I'd watched them play there. There's a lot of familiar faces uh, on this FAU roster of, of people that we saw uh, last season. Hell, we were at the, your house, John, right? And we were watching the conference championship game yes. uh, against FAU. Um, and then we knew that FAU team that we were playing in that game was much different than the FAU team that UAB had played in January of 23. But, you know, it's hard to say. I haven't watched them in any of their losses. You know, usually uh, the the games in, their, in which they're losing, I'll see something on social media and be like, oh, my gosh, is FAU going to lose? And I'll tune in for like the last second like I did against Charlotte uh, to see the outcome. But I can't speak to why they've lost those games. The loss against Illinois is is not a bad loss, obviously. The other three are tough. And so I don't know if it's like a – it seems like anything else, like maybe they felt as if they had arrived. You know, they've got a lot of people talking up about FAU as they deserved uh, for people to do. Um, so I don't know if it's a motivation thing. But when you start to see this happen again and again and again – if, if the Bryant loss wasn't a wake-up call, if the Florida Gulf Coast wasn't a wake-up call, 
Like the reality is they've lost two out of their last three games. They're one and one in conference. And so, you know, some people might be thinking that UAB has a decent chance, but the statistics would tell you otherwise. Look at the ESPN meter. I think it gives UAB a 4.6% chance of winning. Uh, Ken Palm gives UAB a 6% chance of winning. On paper, uh, the statistics aren't favorable for UAB. FAU is projected to win every single game the rest of the season on Ken Palm. Uh, and they were obviously favored to beat Florida Gulf Coast, Charlotte, and Bryant. So, I mean, this is an extremely dangerous FAU team in an arena that I'm hoping maybe a 12 o'clock local uh, you know, Boca Raton tip, maybe they won't be as rowdy in Florida. Maybe they're still waking up uh, and won't Bro, be we as— gotta- we got to talk about that game time because I'm, I'm going to church. Yeah, it's, a, it's 11 o'clock on a Sunday. I might have hey. to get my pastor that signal. Hey, come on. Hey. <laughs> That's right. Like, let, let's wrap it up. Hey, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's going to be it? super tough. Yeah, it's going to be super yeah. tough. And, uh, you know, we don't have as much time to dive into the FAU game today. But the reality is that we could talk about FAU a lot to our audience today. And then they could lose about 30 points tonight. And then it's like everything we talked about you know, is, is different. So we don't know the outcome of their game uh, this evening against Tulane. They're eight and a half point favorites right now on the road in New Orleans. And maybe that helps UAB a little bit too. They're playing a game tonight in New Orleans. We'll have to probably fly back. Maybe they get back like real early, you know, Friday AM. You get a turnaround for a Sunday, you know, early tip. Uh, UAB's had a whole week to rest. UAB's won six in a row. FAU is, you know, faltering a little bit. So maybe those are things that will help UAB. The last thing I'll say is if UAB were to win this game, it would be absolutely massive. Like, it would just be yes. massive. Top 25 opponent, seven in a row. You come home for two uh, more home games. You're lining up for that Memphis game. Where we were a month ago versus where we could be if we were to beat FAU would be absolutely critical. Uh, but at the same time, if we lose this game, it doesn't change much you're two and one you're still coming back home with two home games the students are back on campus we still have the memphis games coming we still get to play fau again so just i'm just kind of saying this before the game win or lose it's going to be all right like if we lose the game it doesn't change the whole season but if we win i'm going to lose my mind so i can't i will get too high off a win if we do beat fau yeah i just just make it quick we saw utsa almost beat memphis the other day Mm -hmm. right um, I, and I stated to y'all, I think everybody in the AAC minimum will have two losses mm-hmm. in the, in, from from conference play. You know, I think it's going to be a bloodbath. So um, I think we totally have – I have no idea, honestly. I, I think we totally have a chance. I don't know what's going to happen. I think we have a good chance. Uh, I think the difference will be for me is one thing I remember about them is that they have physical guards, right? They have guards that, that are p- pretty well built. They'll get down in there. They'll make plays. They can shoot really well too. I know. I know what you're thinking about. You're thinking about baby LeBron, right? I see John L. LeBron. LeBron. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> he ain't no baby anymore, man. <laughs> right, right. They had John L. Davis that would work us, work us over. Like he would just get us in the post. That is the thing that I'm scared of. Is like, do we have anybody to really match up with their physical guards? They have, um, I think, Elijah Martin. They have all these type of guys that will get downhill and just seeing how South Florida got our guards in isolation and were able to score in the, in the mid-range and able to raise up and just be physical. And um, we even state it's like, if you have a guy that can penetrate the lane against UAB, it's kind of tough, right, um, for our guards because 
Um, you know, James is kind of slight Bill Ortiz, right? Um, Butters is bigger guy, but he's uh, not as quick of foot, right? So you have – so I think Vasquez can be a good guy for that, but we just saw him kind of go back and forth with the South Florida guy, right? So mm -hmm. I think physic physicality in the guard position is what really scares me, and they have, like, tons of that. They have guys that, that like to get downhill, that like to post up. John L. Davis is like the number one guy that number two would be Elijah Mark for me. And then I'm just like, oh, man, that, that is what scares me. But if we have guys that take pride on their defensive end, that's prideful in, okay, I'm going to stay in front. I'm going to slide my feet. If we have uh, guys that can help and then help help the helper rebound, stuff like that, If we, we have to be on our toes. But we 100% can beat this team. Like, don't get it twisted. They're not some juggernauts. Nobody in the AAC is a juggernaut. I don't think nobody in college basketball this year is a juggernaut. Now, now when Cooper Flag goes to Duke next year, that dude is different. But other, but other than that, like, nobody is anybody can be beat this year by anybody, depending on how focused you are, how locked in you are to the game plan. And if we can corral that, keep them out of the lane and Hop out to their shooters. When we go to the one three one, when they find that shooter in the corner, please sprint. Please sprint over there and close out. I've, and don't fall don't on foul. the shooter though. Don't <laughs> please don't foul. Don't sprint too that, hard. That one three one scares the living Christ out of me. A lot of times I'm like, man, the guy you see the guy just run to the corner. He just waiting. Like, yeah, I already know it's coming to me. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, it's either going to be we're going to get a turnover or they're going to score a three-pointer. An easy bucket, right? So I'm holding my breath because I know we're going to go to it. That's the stable that we do. I, I don't know if I – I don't know if I don't like it, but I I know I don't like it. I don't know if I don't, like, just hate it, right? But yeah. but uh, if we corral their shooters, corral their physicality, yeah, we have a chance. Hey, I'll say this. The way that uh, Golden, obviously, anybody that's watched him play, like Golden's one of the most important players to his team as you look all across of college basketball. And uh, one thing I would be interested in, the way that FAU plays with four guards and Golden is, is that going to be an advantage for someone like Yaks, you know, to be able to have somewhat of a mismatch? Or what if, you know, oftentimes this season, we've unfortunately seen JD get in foul trouble. How will, you know, that, um, you know, matchup play out with Yaks Versus Golden, and, and we know offensively that Yaks can take him off the dribble. He's, you know, improving those areas, stretch him out, you know, to give our guards like an Eric Gaines or a Vasquez or Butter or whomever the opportunity to get to the lane and not have the seven-footer down there. So that's something I'll be watching. I, I really believe that this is not a game in which UAB big men can get in foul trouble. By that, I mean we've seen op opportunities where a Shavers had to come in, spell some time, or Christian Coleman's in, who's about 200 pounds. You know, like those guys just – I don't want those guys guarding Golden in this game. If we can have a JD who last year was prolific at drawing fouls, I think that's what you're referencing, Darian. If we can have Jerry – or excuse me, not Jerry. If we have JD uh, draw some early fouls on Golden, and that will be a good indicator – but if it's vice versa, and then you've got Yaks on Golden, will Yaks be able to take advantage of that matchup? Worst case scenario, I feel like in this game, is if Yaks and JD are in foul trouble, I think that spells bad news for the Blazers, unfortunately. Yeah, that definitely will, 100%.
Well, all right, guys. Um, pay attention to the Patreon, patreon.com slash blazerpod. We will have a football recruiting update episode probably Monday sometime early next week. We were planning to hopefully do it Friday, but weather looks bad. Um, so everybody stay safe. Um, and hopefully we'll get a Blazer dub Sunday morning. And we'll be back to recap that here on the free feed. Um, again, reminder, subscribe to the YouTube channel at BlazerPod. Like this video and spread the news about our YouTube channel with other Blazer fans. Oh, my, my senses are tingling. I, I sense a UABW 83 to 81. Oh, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> hey, we'll claim it. Jimmy, send us up. Hey, hope you all enjoyed it. Blazer Nation, just blaze.